Welcome, it's Michael James Lauren with the Messiah Community Radio Talk Show. We have such a special guest tonight. Her name is Veronique Jonas, and she's a great artist. You have to see her work. She's an artist of ketubas, and in case you don't know, a ketubah is a marriage contract. And, well, I'm going to have Veronique explain that to you. Uh, the artwork is exquisite if you see the way that it uh signals the love that a husband and a wife have for each other and what they do is they put this on the wall to celebrate their love and commitment to one another. Veronique, welcome to the program. Well, thank you, Michael. Oh, it's our pleasure. It's a really different interview and I want to ask, how did you get started with Ketubas to begin with? Well, it was very interesting because I got started when my own daughter got married and um, I, I was a practicing artist and I thought this would be a wonderful thing to do for her when she got married and that's like 15 years ago and I found that it was something that I felt very passionate about and I just continued doing them for people and eventually um, selling them and it's, it's just grown from there. It's really important to understand what a ketubah is as far as, well, it's not a, a contract in which the husband buys the wife. We know that. But a ketubah is a unilateral agreement drawn by witnesses. That's the important thing. And it's in accordance with Jewish civil law in which they testify that the husband guarantees to his wife that he will meet certain minimum human and financial conditions of marriage. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the um, artwork that you've done or certainly the letters that you've received from the people? that you've done ketubas for, for their weddings. Just so thrilled and grateful that they have this piece of artwork that's so meaningful and that is actually probably one of the only tangible remains of, of the wedding day, you know, other than the ring and and um, that's about it. I mean, the ceremony goes by and it's gone and, you know, all the planning for whatever you're going to do, the entertainment and everything is is gone. You have photographs, sure, but um, the ketubah is probably the one thing that remains there as a, as a constant reminder of that wedding day. Veronique, you're known as, well, you're one of the better known people when it comes to ketubahs, and that's why we're so happy to have you on. People could find your work at ketubah.com, or they can go to your website, which is veroniquejonas.com. And so, uh, you ever think that people can get lost looking at all these ketubahs? I mean, if you look online, there's just one after the other. Oh, absolutely, because um, it's all a personal taste, and ketubahs are just a reflection of a couple's tastes. There is no correct um, ketubah. What's important is the text. The text is what's, what, what makes the ketubah. Um, the fact that it's decorated in different ways, and there are so many different artists doing it, is, um, is just an embellishment, and it's uh, fulfilling part of the commandment of beautifying the law. So basically, you, you're getting married with a text. It's like your contract, but we are beautifying it. So there is no particular correct or, or wrong ketubas. Yes, and in looking at ketubas online, I have to admit that yours seem to have stood out just a little bit, actually a lot, because the colors are so vibrant and beautiful. You get that uh, from time to time? Well, people said, I looked all around and, and I came across yours, but yours was really able to express how I felt about my husband or a uh, wife talks about her husband. Yeah, they, they often say that. I think people are drawn to it because it's a little bit more, my ketubas are a little bit more lyrical than a lot of other people's. Um, I, I tend to put a lot of meaning into my artwork. Um, I try and bring in symbols that 
reflect, you know, uh, the, the actual ceremony, the actual um, Judaism, um, but also our, if, if I'm doing a custom ketubah, then I allow the, cu- the couple to come up with ideas about who they are and who they want to be represented, you know, uh, how they want to be represented in their ketubah. I mean, as, as uh, mundane as cat lovers would love, uh, I've had a couple who wanted their cats in the ketubah, you know, <laughs> to to something more lofty like, uh, you know, a lot of people want a talus, which is the prayer shawl in the ketubah, or the chuppah. Um, so it's it's very individual, um, the, but the ones that come on the website, which I have done before or, or pre-done and which are used as um, as prints, are um, just basic, my own interpretations of marriage. And I suppose we shouldn't let all the beautiful colors and, and the imagery fool us, right? Because actually, this is a binding legal document, isn't it? It is. And um, you mentioned that it was a, a unilateral document, and it's become that now. But originally, it was created as a protection for the woman. It outlines the rights and responsibilities of the groom to the bride. When he comes into a marriage contract, he pledges to provide three things for his bride, and that is clothing, food, and conjugal relations. And those are outlined in the ketubah. So it's really a, it's not totally unilateral, it's become unilateral because of modern times. In certain congregations, the texts are a little bit more uh, equal, but originally it was done by the groom for the bride as a protection. Yes, and again, you mentioned that this is something that had to be done by witnesses. How many witnesses would you need for a ketubah to make it legally binding? Two signatures. It has to be two witnesses that are totally unrelated to the bride and groom. Mm-hmm. Um, and the rab, of course, and the rabbi. Well, I guess if you count the rabbi and the groom's signature and the bride in modern times and ancient times, the bride didn't sign it. But um, so maybe that's five. But but the witnesses are only two. There are only two witnesses. Veronique, I'm sure that ketubahs are interwoven with scripture as far as finding inspiration in the Hebrew scriptures. How do you do that in particular? I mean, maybe you go to temple, you might hear something the rabbi says, but when you look at the scriptures, whether it be God's commandment for his people, the Song of Solomon, um, how do you draw from it? Well, it definitely influences my ketubahs. It influences my life. I mean, it's part of my DNA, and I'm surrounded and always live it. So I guess subconsciously I am influenced by it, but I wouldn't say that I go directly to text to be um, inspired, although I do use the Song of Songs uh, frequently for, for quotes, and I, I, I do include those. But, I, but as far as um, other texts, no, I don't go directly to text. I think it's just a natural in, infusion into my being. Veronique, one of the great things about marriage, it's all under God. I mean, you could be a Muslim, you could be Jewish. Uh, All marriage is done by God. It's a contract from the Lord himself. And so um, usually the guests that we have, uh, obviously they're believers in Jesus Christ, which you are not, you're you're Jewish. So uh, would you be able to tell our guests a little bit about yourself and your background as a Jew? Um, Sure. I mean, I I come from... I'm a Sephardic Jew. I don't know if you know what that is. A Sephardic Jew is uh, different to an Ashkenazi Jew. My parents came from the island of Rhodes in Greece, and they left just before the war. 
um, when World War II came, all my grandparents, aunts and uncles and everybody else was taken away from that little island of Greece. There were only 1,700 people living on that island during the war, and Jewish people, I mean, and they were taken away and taken to Auschwitz, and everybody perished. There was an 87% loss from that island. And my parents moved before the war. They were fortunate enough to have decided to leave uh, long before the war, and they immigrated to Africa, to the Congo, actually, and that's where I was born. So I was born in the Congo in a Jewish uh, Sephardic family. Now, Sephardic, we are Sephardic because we are, we came from, our ancestors came from Spain. And as you know, the people who left during the Inquisition went all over Europe. And that's how our families ended up in Greece, Italy. I mean, that is my background. Um, Sephardic Judaism is the same as Ashkenazic Judaism, except for our language that our family spoke was not Yiddish. It was Ladino, which is uh, Spanish-based. Veronique, you know what I find interesting? Christians now, if you scan the internet, most recently the New York Times ran an article that Christians are embracing the Jewish tradition of the ketubah in their weddings. How do you feel about that? Well, I think it's a wonderful thing. Um, I don't think that it's exclusive. I mean, the text can be interpreted in a Christian way or in a Jewish way. But I think the fact of having a tangible reminder of your commitment to one another in a beautiful way is something that I would encourage anybody to have. Let's talk about eternity for just a minute, because I know that's a big part of the Hebrew Scriptures, whether your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life or not, you know, everlasting life. And and that leads us up to marriage, because that's an eternal covenant that God made, and it's supposed to last forever. You ever kind of get disappointed? You put together this beautiful ketubah, and then the person goes ahead and gets divorced. Oh, yes. I do get very disappointed. It happened to one of my daughters, actually. Not the first one, not the one that I did the first ketubah before, but my second daughter. So it is very disappointing. It's very um, heartbreaking, especially if you're the parent of a divorced child. Um, But, you know, what can I say? It it, it happens, and, and actually it's foreseen in Jewish law, people will get divorced. That is probably the origin of a ketubah is to protect the wife in case of divorce and in case things don't work out. Okay, give us a little history about the ketubah as far as putting it in the home. I mean, where are we supposed to put the ketubah in the home? All right, well, the ketubahs were originally just prints, just text. Then it became illuminated. So uh, in the Middle Ages and, and around that time, people used them and put them somewhere in their homes. And then with the advent of printing, ketubah illumination, art ketubahs went out of fashion. And people got married with just a printed, standard issue printed ketubah from their synagogues. And those were just little pieces of paper with maybe a little bit of decorations on them. And those went in your drawer or in your your safe, and that was it. But in the 60s, So quite recently, um, a man called David Moss, who uh, is still around, uh, started doing, reviving the art of ketubas. And with that, they, they now start putting them in their homes, either in the bedroom or in the living room, depending on how they feel about, um, that's a personal choice. It can go anywhere. 
All right, let's talk a little bit about some of the symbols that are in your ketubah. Uh, let's start with the hoopah. What does that mean? Well, the hoopah is the uh, canopy under, under which uh, the couple gets married. So um, that's what I use. Um, the hoopah is symbolic also um, of the home that the couple is creating. Um, the couple is creating a home. It's got four poles, um, but it's not closed. It's open because, you know, it's just a canopy. And that in itself symbolizes that the home, although it's insular, is also open to families and friends. And uh, it's encouraged. In Judaism, community is very important. And we encourage each other. And we, we do entertain a lot. And we do um, share our meals with family and friends very often. So in that way, that's, uh, that's a symbol of the chuppah. All right. Now, what about the prayer shawl? The prayer shawl is sometimes, originally a chuppah was made with a prayer shawl. And sometimes today, people still use a prayer shawl as their chuppah. So they put the prayer shawl, they attach them to the four poles. And that's how some of the chuppahs are uh, formed. Others are more fancy and more modern. But traditionally, and especially in Israel, uh, chuppahs are made out of the prayer shawls, the talus. Another one that you talked about, and you talked about it earlier, was a tree. Tell us a little bit about using a tree in your ketubahs. There's a um, phrase in Hebrew that's etchayim he, which is the tree of, of life. Etz is a tree, and chayim is life. So that, too, is brought into the ketubah, the fact that we are like trees, hmm. because we, are, we have the life. We have life like a tree. All right, Veronique, you're on a roll, so keep going. Uh, what are some of the other symbols that you use in your ketubas? Let me see. I, I sometimes put a Taurus scroll that wraps itself around the trees. Um, the Taurus scrolls, again, as a reminder that we are bound by God's words and by God's commandments and uh, to live a Jewish life. I often include images of an iconic Jerusalem. I don't know if you've noticed that. And that's because we should never forget where we came from. We should never forget our um, connection to Jerusalem, our uh, past and our present. So um, uh, the same way as during a Jewish marriage ceremony, at the end of the ceremony, um, the rabbi places a glass on the floor for the groom to stomp on. And that is to remind us that we should never forget that Jerusalem was once destroyed. I knew we'd find a lot of Bible in this interview and with the Ketubas too. So what I'd like to do now is talk about the seven blessings of a Jewish marriage, okay? And I have them in front of me. So together, I would like you and I to talk about your Ketubas, okay, and how they relate to the seven blessings of the Jewish marriage. And uh, that'll be a lot of fun. Let's go ahead and do that. Very often, I will put those quotes in the Ketubah. If you notice, some of the Ketubas have English, I mean, Hebrew quotes intertwined in the artwork, and yes. um, those quotes actually come directly from one or two of those seven blessings. All right, so blessing number one, blessed art thou, Lord our God, King of the universe, who created all things for his glory. 
So we're kind of selfish people, and the fact that God did not create marriage just for man, he created it so he can get the glory. He created all things for his glory, so marriage is, in fact, to glorify him. Well, it is all for his glory, and getting back to the reason why there's a ketubah for the protection of the wife, you are beholden to God in whatever you do, but especially in a marriage. Yes, man is beholden to God and how he treats his wife, that is for sure. Let's go to blessing number two. Blessed art thou, Lord our God, King of the universe, fashioner of the man. Well, Veronique, you're an artist, and for sure, that's pretty artistic work right there, that God can take the rib of Adam, and out of that rib, create a woman, and bring them together, and they could be one bone and one flesh. Now, that's a creative artist, don't you think? Yep, that really is. I've often said, because I'm also a landscape painter, and I've often said that it's impossible to actually paint landscape. Yes, you do get paintings of landscapes, but you cannot paint landscape. You cannot paint what you see, because it's impossible to contain what your eye sees in the dimension of a canvas, because God has his own paintbrush. Yes, and you know what, Veronique? God says in his word that man can see the glory of God just through the creation, just through the beautiful paintbrush and the canvas that you talked about. Man can see the glory of God. How beautiful. Okay, blessing number three. Blessed art thou, Lord our God, King of the universe, who formed the man in his image, in the image of the semblance of his likeness, and prepared for him from himself a building for eternity. Blessed art thou, Lord, who fashioned the man. There's, there's no question about that. We are made in the image of God, and, um, and we are supposed to act God-like. We're supposed to look after each other because that's what God wants us to do. And that's, I mean, that brings up a whole totally different conversation. But yes, mm. we are made in the image of, man, of God. All right, and blessing number four right now. May the barren one exalt and jubilantly rejoice through the regathering of her children amidst her in gladness. Blessed art thou, Lord, who makes Zion rejoice with her children. And, of course, God talks about the blessing of children, and that's even in the ketubah, isn't it? Having children and the joy of children. Yes, that that was uh, uh, one of the reasons for having ketubahs, is that, or for marriage, really, is, for, is to procreate, of course. It's um, one of God's commandments. But unfortunately, some women cannot, cannot have children. Mm. And in very extreme cases, that has been a a cause for divorce and uh, quite accepted by rabbinical counsel, the rabbinical uh, law. All right. I think we're blessing number five now. Blessing number five, gladden the beloved companions, as you made glad your creation in the Garden of Eden from days of old. Blessed art thou, Lord, who gladdens groom and bride. Seems like God wants us to have an awful lot of joy in the scriptures, and sometimes you look at married couples' faces, it looks like they've been in major wars with each other, but there's supposed to be a lot of joy in that and joined together in a matrimonial harmony, so uh, that you demonstrate that in your ketubahs, how beautiful, and people have it on the wall, they could remember that why they got married in the first place, that it was under God, and that to love and respect one another and be in harmony. Uh, Blessing number six says, Blessed art thou, Lord our God, King of the universe, who created joy and gladness, groom and bride, rejoicing, glad song, pleasure, delight, love, brotherhood, peace and companionship. Soon, Lord our God, 
Let there be heard in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem the sound of joy and the sound of gladness, the voice of the groom and the voice of the bride, the sound of jubilation of grooms from their canopies and of youths from their feasts of song. Blessed art thou, Lord, who gladdens the groom with the bride. Okay, and going a little fast here because we're running out of time, but we have one more, blessing number seven. Blessing number seven is, Blessed art thou, Lord our God, King of the universe, creator of the fruit of the vine. That comes along with all our rituals, uh, starting with our weekly Sabbath rituals, with all our ceremonies. We always bless um, the wine. We always do the Kiddush for the wine. And uh, marriage is another opportunity to do so. Well, we certainly learned a lot. Veronique, we're running out of time. I want to thank you so much for being on the program. What a blessing. And everyone should know your name, too, Veronique Jonas. And I want to give your website out also so people look at your beautiful artwork. And if they want to get a ketubah for their marriage, well, they can at Veronique Jonas. That's V-E-R-O-N-I-Q-U-E Jonas. J-O-N-A-S dot com. And uh, what a blessing you've been. Thank you so much for explaining and sharing your artwork with us and your heart uh, for Ketubas. Well, I wanted to thank you for inviting me. I enjoyed talking to you, and I wish you lots of luck on your upcoming marriage, too. Bless you, Veronique. We enjoyed having you on the program. And once again, for people to look at your Ketubas, they can go to veroniquejonas.com. God bless you, and shalom. Thank you. Shalom to you.